HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Castor and Pollux, maker of America's number one organic pet food, Organics. Look for their newest line, Pristine, the only complete line of pet food made with responsibly sourced ingredients. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org slash pets. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hello, welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We are coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, October 11th, 2017. This is the 156th episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guests are the awesome founders of a members-only social club, and I will introduce them fully in a moment. First, as I do in every show, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to be a storyteller, and I mean a great storyteller. Don't just pitch to pitch. First, think about the context. Understand what you are promoting and why. What's the meaning behind it? What makes it special or unique? Once you've answered these questions, seek to share your story in a compelling way, keeping it fresh, relevant, and entertaining. Apparently, our brains are hardwired to remember stories more than recalling facts and data. So tell meaningful stories as they won't be forgotten. That's my tip today. Now, I'm really super excited to have two guests in the studio with me. They are Patrick Janelle and Amy Virginia Buchanan, the co-founders of Spring Street Social Society, a membership club that brings people together in unexpected spaces. Patrick, the executive director, is a man about town who, among many things, is a notable food Instagrammer. 
And Amy, the artistic director, is a singer-songwriter and avant-garde theater artist. Together, they host an ongoing series of one-night-only performances and dinner parties, and I think much more than that, and we're going to get into it. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Sherry. So good Thank to be here. You. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I've known about Spring Street Social Society for a long time, but I don't know. I'm not a member, so I want, I want, I'm going to find out oh, all about it. Oh, you want all the it. secrets, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, I want. I want but I like, want. does anyone really know? <laughs> I don't Do we know. know? <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah, yeah. But I, I always start out with my guests with their background and how you got into the industry and what you're doing now. So you, Patrick or Amy, who wants right. to start? Well, I mean, there's definitely like a part of, of the story that's us together, but then yeah. we also have our kind of like separate uh, backgrounds. Totally. So maybe, maybe I'll just tell a little bit about where I came from. Sure. Um, specifically as it relates to the hospitality industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, well, maybe it starts with, Starbucks when I was in in college. Um, I also worked at a, I guess you could say, casual fine dining restaurant in my hometown of Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, And I was a concierge at the Ritz-Carlton Club in Aspen, Colorado. And it's actually, um, (laughs) as kind of short-lived as that was, maybe like a year and a half, um, uh, and a world away from where I am today, I really think it was... um, my time as a concierge at the Ritz-Carlton where I really learned to um, really just like take a guest's experience and make it my own and uh, take ownership over how I could uh, take care of a guest. Um, that is like, that's a very, very small sliver of, I think, like part of the path that's led me to where I am today. Totally. And if we're going to go that far back All the way to back. our oh, so very humble hospitality yes. industry beginnings. Yes, go back. For me, it began when I was 16 years old at a Red Lobster in Stillwater, Oklahoma. <laughs> Your Red Lobster it. is my Starbucks. I, well, and well, my I love. have Chili's and <laughs> and um, Bennigan's oh to oh, put on oh, my Benigan's. resume. Wait, is Bennigan's? We had Bennigan's Midwest, but I don't know. I grew that. up in Miami, oh, so okay. it was so it was national. Yeah. Well, Miami yeah. has everything. Yeah, <laughs> so so yeah, I can yeah. join that club. Okay. Well, and and I didn't just work at one Starbucks, but I worked at two Starbucks. I worked at mm, no, 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 my love. I. Uh, 18 years old, Starbucks in the Barnes & Noble in Norman, Oklahoma. And when I was a senior in undergrad, I worked at the Starbucks in Target in Lawrence, Kansas. Neither so, one of them real Starbucks. No. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely not. I also <laughs> learned cake decorating while I was at Target because you'd get bored and then just go hang with the bakers and they'd show you how to decorate cakes. Um, but, I, you know, then fast forward to when we met and we were both now, you know, taking what we had learned from our, our humble industry beginnings uh, into the big city. Because I, I feel like we were both then rooted in the industry in two very different ways, um, Patrick, in an editorial sense. Um, well, your, I worked at I worked at Bon Appetit. Bon Appetit. Was your work right. at bon Appetit. Yeah. Well, no, that's that is a big. I mean, it's especially for industry. this this show. Yeah, that says for sure. Yeah, it's a huge part um, of the industry. Yeah, I mean, I so Amy and I met about five years ago. Mm-hmm. We've both been in the city about six years now. Mm-hmm. Um, my first job, my background is actually graphic design. So I was in the art department at Bon Appetit magazine. Um, and that was really my entree into New York city, which was incredible. I mean, that was right after, um, Adam Rappaport took over the magazine as editor in chief and the, um, kind of a, a whole new artistic direction and conceptual direction. Um, and so for me to like land in both design, editorial, food, hospitality, 
in that place right after I moved to New York City was was awesome. Yeah. And and then uh, my first year in New York, I had, I had moved here. Um, it's it's going to come up at some point. So I had just graduated from clown school, and I had moved to New York to pursue this like avant garde, you know, theater performer existence. But my my uh, day jobs plural. Um, I managed a cafe. Uh, I managed the cafe at the back of the Housing Works bookstore in Soho. And then I also worked front and back of house catering for the Housing Works catering company called The Works, which worked primarily out of the bookstore, but also in a few venues around the city. So I was getting a very hands-on experience (laughs) of what it meant to be um, in the hospitality world. So how did you two meet? Oh, get it, Patrick. (laughs) You've probably told this many times. Let's see. Yeah, let's see how it's delivered today. Um, (laughs) So Amy and I were both regulars at a coffee shop in Soho, Gasoline Alley. Mm -hmm. Um, I like that place. Yeah, it was was in my uh, home neighborhood, and it was in Amy's work neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So we were both regulars, but we actually never met. I would go before I I opened the cafe at Housing Works, because I always liked to receive something uh, before I went and then gave things to people. I wanted to have like a hospitality moment, I guess. And I would go in between gym and work at Bon Appetit. Mm -hmm. Um, But Amy and I both became like dear friends with one of the baristas. Um, So it was our favorite barista, Katie Tagg, who introduced us when she invited both of us to her birthday party in Leffert's Garden. Um, And yeah, that was one Saturday or Sunday afternoon. Totally. I And, you know, you, you walk into a backyard in Lefferts Garden. I'd say it was Dittmas Park. Well, I, same? Same, same? <laughs> same, same, but different. <laughs> Patrick lives in Manhattan. I don't know. Yeah, I was, I that, by the way, I thought I was doing a really good job by, like, naming the neighborhood. I, I was being so specific. And I, then, was, I was on board. I was just going to go with it. I, well, they're well, the same I, to me. I lived, I, in, I lived in the neighborhood, therefore I, like, you know, it was Dittmas Park. Um, but, uh, but we, you know, I, you walk, I walked into the backyard, and Katie came rushing up to me, and she was like, Amy, I'm so happy you're here. I can't believe you've never met Patrick. And I was like, it's nice to see you. Happy birthday. <laughs> and she was like, you have to come meet him. Come here. And she walked me straight to Patrick and was like, okay, Patrick works at Bon Appetit. You went to clown school. You guys are creatives. You'll be friends. So just like, you know, talk to each other. And Patrick didn't miss a beat. Well, at that moment <laughs> in my life, I, uh, I had recently moved into a new ap- apartment on Spring Street in Soho, Nolita. Uh, and I had this backyard space and I was like up every morning gardening and like clearing it from this like kind of like desolate mid space between buildings into like my dream garden. Um, so my waking hours were honestly filled with what am I going to do with this space? And there was this deck and a garden. And I thought one moment, one morning I had this epiphany that this is like the perfect place for a stage for a performance. So that was what was on my mind. And apparently, I honestly, I don't, do you, do you actually remember like, yeah, I what re- I said? I remember it so specifically because you were like, oh, you perform. I have a backyard and I, ha- I want to put on a play. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And <laughs> and I had just come from, you know, I, I had spent my first year doing like larger scale, like theatrical productions in like found spaces or weird stuff, but also doing a lot of kind of like one night only things or like, you know, like a show in the back of a truck on an abandoned street in Williamsburg or, um, you know, like a show in a basement or like cabaret things. Like I had been trying to figure out how to like perform in, in smaller ways so that you could do more because plays took up so much time. So I said yeah, well, a play is really hard to put up, but we can make a cabaret show really fast. And you're like, cool. 
Well, I probably pushed back a little bit, knowing me. Um, you didn't start pushing back until we started coming up with who was going to be in the thing. Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, like I, rem- I remember it so well because it, it started in the backyard. Um, that same night, also Charlotte, Charlotte, mm-hmm. who is also Another one of our barista. favorite barista, um, she and I recorded a voicemail on my phone that my mom still complains about to this day, even though it's no longer there. She's like, and you are drunk and you are talking into your phone. Anyways, but like I remember I remember it because we, we started like talking about how we wanted to do it and then by the time we made it to sycamore mm-hmm. the, the bar flower bar um we had our phones out and we were making iphone notes about performers that we wanted to have and who we wanted to like bring into it and how like how much we wanted to charge and how well, we and that, to- that was all that was all your world i mean i wanted i had like ideas of like what performances could be oh you but had I didn't so many any. ideas of what performances <laughs> Ought to be. <laughs> that I was where the pushback have so started. Many ideas. I'd be like, "What about this or this?" And you're like, mm, "Well, okay." So, <laughs> and it was great because you know that I feel like I feel like that first night we really set a precedent for like we how we were going to work together, which was like, "All right, we're going to push back on each other. We're going to you know like offer ideas, but not necessarily always agree." But then by the end of the night, we had like a, a list of people for us to email and a decent strategy of how we were going to like get beer there and, and sell tickets. And so two weeks later we put on our first cabaret show and we had 60 people in the backyard selling $2 PBR. It was maybe $3. I don't know. It was $3 PBRs and $5 Brooklyn lagers. Cause memory. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just back at the, you met and you became partners and you put on an event yeah, two like weeks we later. Did, I mean, we okay. didn't realize at that time. You, you when didn't we know met it was going to turn into what it has, no, but it did. It did. We, yeah. we honestly didn't know until the moment that the show ended and, and it felt relatively successful that we were like, oh my God, what did we just do? <laughs> and like, let's do it again. Like literally the next morning we got co- coffee at mm-hmm. Gasoline Alley mm-hmm. and we like debriefed and we were like, this thing was too long. This yep. thing was great. We loved this. It was, uh, I don't know, but like how it was could great. It, how could it be better was, yeah. was what we both like showed up to talk about. Wow. So when did you formally start Spring Street Social Society? Tell me what formally starting Spring Street Social Society You have a Society name. Is. You have a website. So the, you're, the, the name was already. I don't know. There's a logo maybe. Well, logo, I don't know. Lo- you know? I think the logo already We had the existed. logo for the, um, yeah, we had the logo I for asked, the first I, one. I studied graphic design. I asked one of my good friends, Mark Weaver, um, whose wife actually now collaborates with us a lot on a lot of the styling of events that we do. Um, a friend of mine from college had designed a logo. I think I already had a name because I had this idea. So um, Patrick's really sneaky because he told me, let's call it Spring Street Social Society when we met. Little did I know that he had already decided before meeting me that he was going to call things that he did in his backyard Spring Street Social Society. <laughs> it, was a, it sounded much better than Patrick's backyard. <laughs> Hey, they both have a good ring to it. Well, well, thank you. <laughs> I was like, what a great idea. And you're like, cool. So there's a Twitter handle and the, we have a logo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, you know, I think that, but, but you know, what's interesting about that is what I, how I've always approached things. Um, and I think how we now do together, but I think I brought a lot of that to you. Oh yeah. was absolutely. like, when we're going to do this, we're actually going to like so many things, especially about like, the design and the, I don't know, the, the way that we sort of package something together has always been very important to me. That's like a, that's really a part of like the role that I play on Instagram and as a graphic designer, as a visual artist. And Amy has always been really about like the experience and the artistry and the creativity. And so it was really, I think that was one. I won't, I won't claim the word um, creativity. I, I I will claim like 
you know, like I'm, I'm out, like I'm all about crafting an emotional narrative. I'm all about exactly what needs to happen in a moment to get people to the place where you want them to be, you know? Um, but words like artistry and creativity are, apply to both of us, Patrick. Um, that, thank you very much. I, I appreciate that you're just like tossing that on me, but I'm going to share it with you if that's okay. Um, but it is true. Like one of the things that's so great about us when we met each other and, and, and how we've continued to work together, you know, is that when we both met, we had, um, we both had very distinct training, you know, Patrick was trained as a graphic designer. I am trained as a performance artist, but Patrick has experience in the performance arts and I have experience with design. And so we had inch overlapping interests, but very distinct, um, expertise. And, and so then we were able to both bring complementary skill sets to the table. And then as we've grown together for the past five years, it's been this really cool kind of like, oh, radio audience, I wish you could see my hands because I'm going to do a little like visual thing. But essentially, like if you make a Venn diagram that has like a slight overlap, that's what we were when we met. And as we've worked together for the past five years, the overlap just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger so that we are able to kind of share a brain space, like pass responsibilities back and forth, have a really good understanding of like, you know, even when it comes down to like what email should one of us send, you know, we, we know who it's, needs to send which yeah, email. Yeah, it's, it's pretty intuitive. It's true. And, you know, so we, we started with this, literally this conversation that was the beginning of our relationship about a creative project. And now we're, we, we are actually official now. We are. Spring Street <laughs> Social Society is an LLC. We're official. Um, Very We have official. payroll. We do all of the sort of, you know, the, the we have a lawyer. human resources this things. Like and Yeah, management. Now. It's like real serious. Yeah. But there's definitely been. I just meant been, like the name. <laughs> so many shades oh of things in between. Of that I think we're just really proud of the fact that we're official, so we just want to talk about. It. We're like, we have a lawyer, we have well, a bookkeeper. I, I mean, I think the, the reason that it's important too is that, like, we didn't set out to do this, but we found ourselves in this like ever changing, um, this need to create and desire to create in so many actually different ways. And it be, it, you know, at the beginning, within the first year, it was the desire to change from just being performance to also food and performance, which we can talk more about if we want, but. Then at each point it became, oh, and also, you know, layering on this aspect, um, whether it's the human resources hiring people mm -hmm. or whether it's, you know, more recently taking on um, creative projects for clients that are outside the scope of uh, the, the social club. So every it's it's really been sort of like shades of change that have come about gradually over the past five years and really it, it's all just about us continuing to, continuing to have that like collaboration mm -hmm. yeah all right and on that note we're gonna take a little break and then we're gonna come back i want to hear more about the the food component i want to hear about who who are your members how do they become members things like that we'll mm -hmm. get into and i have questions for you <laughs> a lot to cover okay. i know well, well yeah well, we'll we're to gonna take a break <laughs> okay. we're gonna take a break and come right back so stay with us this is all in the industry on heritage radio network This episode is brought to you by Castor and Pollux, maker of America's number one organic pet food, Organics. You put a lot of care and thought into what you eat. After all, you're a food radio listener. That thoughtfulness goes hand in paw with how you feed your pets. Purposeful pet food doesn't happen by accident. Castor and Pollux scours the earth to carefully select the best organic and responsibly sourced ingredients. 
New Pristine from Castor and Pollux is the only complete line of pet food made with ingredients that are responsibly raised, caught, or grown. Feed your dog or cat the new standard, like grass-fed beef, wild-caught fish, and vegetables grown without synthetic fertilizers or chemical pesticides. Pristine from Castor and Pollux. Purposeful pet food. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org slash pets. back so welcome back to only industry on heritage radio network i'm sherry Bayer. my guests today are patrick janelle and amy virginia buchanan they are the co-founders of spring street social society it's a membership club so it brings people together in unexpected spaces i know that i can read that <laughs> so who are your members how do you become a member and then maybe talk a little about some of the um the food-related dinners you've done. And then I saw just that you posted how this, you have a Secret Supper coming up too, something event that you're doing. Secret oh. Supper, the musical. Supper, the, the musical, musical. Yeah. yeah. So, I, which which I can go to, I saw it. Yeah. I'm not a member. Yes. So, mm-hmm. but, Well, yeah. okay, so about members, I mean, the awesome thing is we have such a diverse, wonderful, quirky group of members. Mm-hmm. Um these are people who it, it, initially when people in it came to my backyard for the first cabaret, it was our friends mm-hmm. or people that we were connected to on Facebook. But even in that moment, it was a really interesting uh, intersection of, of, of New Yorkers because Patrick was coming from, you know, the design world and the media world. And I was coming from, you know, like uh, downtown performance art music and, uh, uh, like the volunteers at Housing Works, you know, which is right. which in and of itself is a diverse group of people, and so suddenly you had these people from overlap from, from not overlapping industries hanging out together and mingling and doing stuff, and that's kind of been like a continued theme of of how our membership has grown. Is that you know when we first did membership, it was really our friends, um, but as we've now transitioned, it's been you know it's been three years of, of having a membership, um, it's become people that have sought us out. Like our members are adventuresome, um, interesting and interested, uh, you know, um, curious, big eyed, ready to consume something, whether it is, uh, you know, an artistic, um, you know, uh, any sort of art, Mm -hmm. food, booze, design, performance, they are there to consume and excited to participate in the conversation about what they are consuming. And I think there's, there's definitely the person who was attracted to what we do because they were, they were actually interested in connecting to other people into the city, like actually being, being social, finding others to be social with. But I wouldn't say that's everybody. Ultimately though, I think what we're so proud to accomplish is that when we ultimately are creating those connections for people, whether that's why uh, somebody was attracted to us or not, um, the experiences are a conduit through which we can really bring people together to connect individually and honestly connect with the city, which has always been so important to us. Say the thing about... um about when our favorite compliment yeah well, okay <laughs> i love this uh, that was, i mean that was we so honestly we honestly could the thing that makes us so happy like happier than anything else is when somebody 
after an event, they come up to us at the end. And honestly, whether it's somebody that grew up in Manhattan has literally spent their life here or somebody who's um, been here their whole adult life or somebody who's been here a couple of years and they say, and we've had this said multiple times, what just happened makes me remember why I love New York City. Yeah, that's and that uh, that's that's why we do what we do. Yeah, because this is why we wanted to create the reason why we love New York City. We also wanted to like make sure that we continuously love New York City. So that's I think that's part of why we're like crazy enough to keep on doing these events because because we do we love it so much here and we love any city that we go into. We're fascinated by them, and 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 what makes the city. We're both from small towns. What makes a city go? What makes it, what drives someone to be a part of something? What gets you out of your house? The interesting thing too is this is, I mean, we're kind of, I think we're thinking about New York City, which is where we were founded. Um, but we've heard the same thing in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. which is where a portion of our membership is as well. Totally. And we recently were in San Francisco and I think same, we, we, same yeah, thing, same we thing. heard the same thing. Which is cool. What's like a memorable or uh, what, maybe you have, all of them are memorable, but like what's, Maybe give us an example of a dinner you planned or something and the location and how it went down. Well, the very, I I think the first like Mm -hmm. really kind of like extremely ambitious project that we did, I mean, everything is ambitious in its way that it's a step, a a step up from something we just did, but. We're talking um, Bryant Park? mm, I'm thinking Dead Letter Office. Oh, okay. I mean, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Bryant Park was a dinner um, with performances. I'm going to, real real quick, just because I, I feel like there's something that happened at Bryant Park that, that led to yeah. eventually like what we now do. So we did our, our first really big dinner in like a raw space that, that, it, that kind of like set the precedent for, for how crazy we get. A hundred people, do. super raw people. commercial space so raw. across um, by Bryant Park, across the street from Bryant mm-hmm. Park. And, and we had worked with... Um, our, our friend Peter, who, uh, oh my goodness, he was in an acapella group in college with Sarah Bareilles. <laughs> and, and he's friends with all these whiff and poofs from Yale. And we were like, will you make a um, an acapella performance for us? But we don't want it to just be any acapella performance. We want you guys to be the busboys. And then at the end of the night, surprise everybody by singing. you know. And so we got this guy, Ben Wexler, to create this mashup of Beatles songs that went from reverent to celebratory, you know, like, um, they, they, they pulled from a bunch of different songs so that you, you recognize some, but others you were like, is this a Beatles song? Um, and, and it really made everyone like stop in their tracks, like put their forks down and be like, what, you know, it was because an incredible it, moment. Yeah. And, and so then that kind of like paved the way for, Oh, we can commission performances. We can integrate the performances really in, in really interesting ways into dining experiences. It is true that that's the first time that, uh, before that we were really working with performers who already had their act Mm -hmm. and we were incorporating their act into something that we're doing, which we still do from time to time, but it was really booking versus commissioning. Yeah. Commissioning and having an original piece that had never been seen before and also sort of like planting, performers in different ways so Mm -hmm. it was a surprise we also learned at that event never to actually make the singers bus tables (laughs) so (laughs) now lesson learned well that was uh, props to those guys because we had not intended to have them bus we we, that was not the idea for them to bus and halfway through um the meal because they were just supposed to be like lightly like you know occasionally picking up a plate and then you know just like setting the tone of that yeah they all like like one of them they sent they sent like one to me 
I believe it was Ben Piper, um, came to me and was like, um, we're going to start really helping you because they saw that we were <laughs> like, struggling because we, <laughs> we, we bit off more than we could chew, right. um, which is, you know, a thing that, that we're getting better about not doing now. But now, okay, so that leads the to... So then Dead Letter Office was probably like a year and a half later. Um, one of our friends, Zachary Grady, um, who I had just kind of like met through Friends in the City, and we started talking about theater work that he was doing at Ars Nova. I actually saw a show that he did that I really loved this concept. He basically would um, give the audience, um, pre- like, uh, you would download tracks before you arrive, and then he would, he would give you headphones, and you listen to instructions via headphones, and it guides you through a show, and you realize through the course of the show that you're, other people are listening to other things, but you're all choreographed together. Um, the thing that he did for Ars Nova was, like, super fun and kitschy, and we discussed doing something that was a little bit more kind of like mysterious and sexy. So we commissioned him to create uh, a dinner murder mystery. And for the first time, we really took this idea of the dinners that we were creating and the performance and brought them together in a kind of like full seamless way, which actually we've never really done that to that extent until what we're about to do next month but um and this was in this was in the 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 foley the james foley post office on 8th avenue you'll see it with like all the white columns and huge steps across from penn station um and the postmaster suite um we worked with skylight um a local um property management company um and we really we really inhabited a space and made a site-specific piece. We commissioned. It was the, we worked with friends to help us with costumes and the styling. And mm-hmm. uh, it was a really incredible undertaking and super successful, actually. Yeah, yeah. I definitely, um, one of our, our best-received experiences we've ever made. Um, and also, I think, one of the, the experiences that you and I both look back on and, and are extremely proud of, which is great. Yeah. Um, and then that kind of leads to what we're about to be making, which you kind of like hinted at, um, because that was, that was three years ago. And then two years ago we did, um, we did our first like full scale theatrical performance it was called Mermaiden. And it was a three act long play in which we put 25 tons of sand into a raw retail space in Penn station so that we created this like indoor beach and we had, you know, like cocktail, like, like tiki cocktails served throughout and, and the stage would change from like so many different configurations from act to act to act so that wow. you felt like you were under the sea or like on a desert Island or like on a pirate ship. Um, and Patrick played a mackerel and I played a a mermaid princess <laughs> and it was campy and ridiculous and weirdly Shakespearean. Um, and that was, you know, that was two years ago. And so it's been, and that was really, and that was performance. Strict, uh, strictly performance. There were cocktails and there mm-hmm. was, there was a food moment that happened yeah. in the third act, but it was really <laughs> like, you know, we have these verticals of performance, food, cocktails, yeah. and they kind of show up in different amounts yeah. depending on there. That. Yeah. There's always different like percentages. And, and typically we were making sure that any, any um, form of contribution that an artist gives is is very good. Um, but, you know, as we're going through, like, budgets or figuring out what our focus is going to be, like, if it's a speakeasy, so we'll, like, really play up the booze element, have something like performancey, and then if we have food, it's, like, you know, like a cute popcorn situation or right. something like that, you know? Um, but we've never done an experience where the the theater element and the food element are both of equal weight and value and also both play together. And because Oh. oh, sorry. And that's what this is coming up? And that's Secret Supper, the musical. Okay. It is It is a 
and this is great. We're we're in all we're on all in the industry, and this is literally a show that is going to ultimately be about um, the industry and and kind of like behind the scenes stuff, but also like why we do what we do and who are we doing it for. Um, you know, it's going to be kind of like equal parts. I I don't want to give away too, too much, but you know, you're going to get to like peek a little bit behind the curtain that we usually keep very tightly shut at our events. Um, because anyone that works in the industry knows that back of house is a messy place that, um, that there's so much happening behind the scenes in order to make something really beautiful happen. We want to kind of like take a peek at that, see who the characters are that are making something happen. Um, talk about their dual personas, you know, anyone who's serving you in New York city has, has a side hustle, you know, like, like even if their, their main passion is actually, you know, being your waiter, then they also, you know, knit on the side and they might be an Instagram famous knitter and you don't even realize it, you know, like it's just, it's crazy. how diverse we all are and how many artistic pursuits everyone has. Um, And at the same time, we'll also be following uh, the path of some of the guests at the party itself. So it's pretty meta. It sounds amazing. (laughs) This is open to the public. Yeah, it'll be be, uh, eight nights. So, and about 70 people each night. Mm -hmm. Um, So we don't actually have that many members. Um, So we're opening up uh, this dining performance theatrical experience uh to the public it sounds incredible yeah i want to go we're excited yeah Yeah, Yeah. we're really jazzed (laughs) so we're we're we are running behind on time but i have two questions for my last because i i rescheduled shows and so quickly we're going to ask these questions and get quick answers how about that but they're like loaded questions so i don't know how we're going to do it but we'll get through okay so episode 153 i had on andrew knowlton Deputy, yeah. edi- deputy, deputy editor at Bon Appetit, who I know you know, yep. and a friend. So he wants to know, if you could throw a party at any location in the world, where would it be and what entertainer would you like to perform? He's he, he's familiar with the dinners you've done or like having yeah. performers yeah, yeah, between yeah. courses. For sure. Um, oh gosh. I, it's so hard. It's so hard to say. I mean, I've always wanted to... I've always wanted to have this is actually a dream that I don't know exactly answers this but I've always wanted to do a full experience and like weekend or week event that starts the minute somebody leaves their door and we get them all on a plane Mm -hmm. and they don't know where they're going and they end up in a place and you know maybe it's you know like a chateau or a yeah chateau in France or some sort of like castle in Italy and that's where the rest of the kind of like performance and the dinner unfolds over the course of a weekend or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's, I would go that's on that if you need someone to, to take you <laughs> up on that offer. Uh, um, and just real quick dream venue, um, just because it's a thing that I think about every time that I'm on top of a mountain and you look across it and you're like, how does someone get to that space over there? Mountaintop. I want opera singers and I want people to be holding opera glasses so that they can see what's happening on the mountaintops around them. Love that. Can we make that happen? Yep. Okay. Yes, you can. I'm sure. <laughs> okay. Second question. Episode 155. I had on Alfredo Malatesta. He's the CEO, creative director of Flavor Gallery. So he wants to know, what's the one thing you have found that unites your members and community in each market between being that you're in New York and LA? And is if there's anything that you think is a common thread that you can't seem to find as a common thread between both coasts. I mean, it is true that the coasts are very different and the way they 
um, plan things and the way they commit to things and uh, purchase tickets is very different. Very different. Um, I wish we had more time to get into <laughs> that. Yeah, well, but we have, that's like we a, have a whole. <laughs> yeah. Um, honestly, yeah. I'm going to say the thing that I have found is a common thread between each of them because we have tried this with all of our audiences on all the coasts. Everyone loves a sing-along. And you'd be surprised. But no I, matter yeah. how cool they seem, I, they love a sing-along. I, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, I'm surprised you said that, but like, yeah, I think <laughs> I could see that. Well, you so. know, I think also, and you know, we could get deep into this too. Um, it is our goal and desire to create an atmosphere in which a sing-along is the, a totally appropriate and enjoyable oh, yeah. thing. So we actually do a lot of work to make sure that the environment mm-hmm. is, that, that, that the mood is ready for that. Awesome. Okay, we're going to take one more break, or this is our second break. We're going to take two breaks more in the show and come back now, and we're going to do my speed round and uh, industry news discussion. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Baer. My guests today are Patrick Janelle and Amy Virginia Buchanan, the co-founders of Spring Street Social Society. It's time for my speed round game. See if we could do this fast. Okay. What it is, I'm going to name a couple things and you just pick your preference, okay. such as chocolate or vanilla. Are chocolate. we each doing this separately or together? Right. I'm, I think you, can, you do it together. Okay. okay. We'll go okay. through it. <laughs> <laughs> How about, okay, here we go. Eat in or eat out? Eat out. Eat out, yeah. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Wine. Wine. Tasting menu or a la carte? Tasting menu. A la carte. (laughs) I like being fed. (laughs) I love it. Small plates or large plates? Small Small plates. plates. Yeah. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's Chef's counter. counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? All-inclusive. Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. I, I wish we... I mean, you're you're Patrick, a guy named Patrick. Instagram yep. sensation. I wish I need a whole show just to talk about that. No, it's incredible. Well, we, can, we can always talk about that another time. Yeah. No, I don't know how you do it. How about... Uh, I had in... Uh, is it... How do you say it? Bozy the Clown? Am I saying that right? Bozo. Bozo. I wrote down Bozy. I'm like... Bozy's cute. Bozo, Bozo the Clown or uh, Ronald McDonald? Bozo. That's Amy's question. I don't even well, know. Uh, 
Well, no, I know Ronald, you were a clown. No, or totally. you, Ronald you so studied like, to be a clown. No, so. I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. My clown's name is Pearl. She's lovely. But um, yeah, I, Bozo is an entertainer, but Ronald McDonald is like a charitable figure. You don't have you don't have uh, that. Oh, uh, Bozo the clown. Yeah, Bozo, not Bozy. <laughs> How about um, cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate. Cheese plate. Manhattan, Brooklyn, or L.A. Manhattan. Manhattan. <gasps> she lives in Brooklyn. Yeah, oh. I live in Brooklyn. Cool. Okay. I didn't know. Okay, <laughs> I love it. Cool. Okay, so industry news. There's. I just had to bring up how there's these these fires in. Mm-hmm. The Napa Sonoma Valley mm-hmm. region that are just devastating. Devastating. There's uh, this winery. Uh, lots of wineries mm-hmm. are are just being destroyed, and it's just it's horrible news. I don't I I don't really know what the solution is for it, but I th- did see um, Thomas Keller post on on his Facebook page about a French Laundry is they're closed right now due to power outages and but um he had the other places opening up and he listed how the Sacramento Bee their website the Sac Bee has um ways you can help on their site if anyone wants to go help but it's just I just see this it's just devastating yeah, so it is devastating I don't know if is this unprecedented in terms of like within the wine region I don't I don't know much about it. I mean fires in California is always a problem right. and I think that right now just in general we're in a time of de- devastation and and hope for restoration between what's happening happening with fires there fires in um in Oregon all of the hurricanes um, all recently. of the hurricanes like Puerto Rico being completely yeah. demolished like uh, like and and then last night I was just at a drag show and and of course the, you were. <laughs> hey, um, yeah, it was uh, Sasha Laura's hosting nightgowns in um, in Williamsburg, and they have a raffle that they do at intermission where they raise money for a cause, and they were raising money for Unidos, and and it was in order to to give support to Puerto Rico, uh, and then Mex- Mexico after the um, earthquake, and it's just it's incredible um, how many natural disasters are happening right now, and mm. trying to decide where to put funds. But it was interesting that their whole thing was that like you know the government will decide to put money wherever it puts money, but we get to choose. And so we have to like continue to contribute. So they raised over the course of 30 minutes, they raised $2,000, you know? So it's interesting to see how people are choosing to take care of their own and our own. We're in a crazy time. And then I had an eater. It was great to see this article. Jose Andres is served over 350,000 meals in Puerto Rico was Mm -hmm. the title of this piece on eater. And I don't know. Jose Andres is just, he's just, incredible i don't know he puts he 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 doesn't just talk the talk he he makes things happen totally and uh, yeah and that's what i'm talking about like it is it is incredible the way that people are stepping up and even just you know last night when i was talking with uh melissa rosenfeld um rosenstein sorry oh my god wait Oh my goodness. Yeah. Rosenfeld. Sorry. Um, uh, director of vibe, director of vibe. Uh, I know sorry, her. Melissa. I just, had, <laughs> I, I just had like a name brain fart moment. Um, but she, she led a really interesting panel. Um, you know, that's about trending, but we ended up talking about how, you know, like social justice and the way that we take care of people is trending, that it's super cool and vibing to, to step up and, and take care of our own and figure out how to fight for what's good. And, and what, what a great time to be living in where, where everyone keeps paying attention to that, even where people are wanting to like in in capitalism, you know, people want to buy Tom's people want to buy Warby Parker glasses, like they want to put their money, even when they're spending on themselves, back into something that's going to take care of somebody. I have to say, um, like with um, Jose Andres, like 
that to me, I mean, it's all wonderful to support a business that also gives, you know, proceeds of their profit to a nonprofit, but um, to do something just so sort of pure, I mean, it, that, it seems so, yeah, mm-hmm. so selfless and altruistic and um, it's yeah, incredible. And without really goal, like a return, you know. No, it's incredible. His goal is to feed 100,000 people daily. I mean, they're just trying to do more meals. I mean, it's, it's, and he's out there doing it. Um, yeah, no, it's it's really great. And then the last thing I picked out on CNN, those world's 50 best bars in 2017 was announced. There's a bunch of ones from New York City. Nomad Bar was number three and the Dead Rabbit number five. And then London did really well with number one, American Bar, um, taking that spot. Mm-hmm. So At the Savoy. Yeah, yeah. but you, you had well, told so, me. Uh, I also co-founded a company called The Liquor Cabinet with my two brothers. Um, and... Uh, it's uh, primarily a cocktail recipe app, um, but really the goal of the company as we continue to build it is um, is to create a, a editorial resource that's really uh, about the stories behind liquor and cocktails and the way that things were produced and the way that they are now, the way that we consume them, uh, and really just tell stories about liquor that I don't think really have been told before, especially in a world where we're talking a lot about, I mean, food, wine, beer, etc. Um, it's not altruistic in the way that we were just talking about, but I, I've always wanted to have this. this no, kind of I, I think that, I think that what you're hitting on with, um, with the liquor cabinet app, which, you know, um, I'm, I'm extremely fond of use constantly big fan. Of and Amy is also, um, an advisor in the company as well. I am an advisor in the company, uh, which is not necessarily why I'm speaking so highly <laughs> of it. Um, it is actually very good, but it's, it's about education and storytelling and, and the, those are things that bring us together as humans. The, the want to share stories is, is something, you know, when we're talking about what are the things that, mm-hmm. um, you know, across audiences we see as common denominators, story sharing is, is so innately human. Story sharing and sing-alongs. Story sharing <laughs> yeah. and sing-alongs. Yeah, and Perfect. that's what the liquor cabinet's about, and that's what these bars are about, mm-hmm. is creating spaces that people want to go to, that people want to hang out at, that people want to bring people to and have a genuinely great experience, which is, at the end of the day, what hospitality is about. I have to say, lists like that are a little are a little crazy. Like, it's interesting to see, like, uh, the American bar at Savoy in London next to like Attaboy on the Lower East Side. I mean, sure, like the cocktails at both yeah. places are served that are served are like obviously like top notch, but it's so like how can you even like put these no, bars? No, this is in literally the same with restaurant thing. list yeah. and any list, but it's nice. I don't know. It's nice for them to get recognized and I don't know. Congratulations. It's like yeah. a, I don't know. It's a happy, but I'll, it's yeah to it compare. Yeah, I, I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call app, you for a Apple's, second, though, Patrick. Right. I'm totally gonna call you out because this is. I'm surprised that you're saying that because half of the time we talk about how like we'll walk into a space and we're like, this space is so good at doing what it's doing. Yeah, like that's like the thing that you and I talk about. So you shouldn't be surprised because if if one bar that's like a little divier on the east side uh, on the lower east side is like just the quintessential best version of exactly the bar that it's trying to be. Of course it's on the same list as the bar, at the Savoy. Maybe, I, maybe I'm, uh, maybe I, am, I, am, I mis- am I misunderstanding you? No, I think you're right. I think okay. I, without splitting hairs too much, this I is just, literally I how we, this is just, how we fight. Well, we have to take know. one more break. So, oh, okay. so we'll, we could, yeah, we could, we could, you guys can hash it out off the air. How about okay. that? Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. One <laughs> more break. We'll come back. I'm going to do my solo dining experience. Stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. 
Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience. So this week, it's at Uncle Boone's Sister. Here's the rundown. The location, 203 Mott Street, Nolita, NYC. The concept, my, it's a tiny sibling to Uncle Boone's Restaurant with counter service and creative Thai food to eat in or to take out. The owners and chefs, husband and wife team, Matt Dancer and Ann Redding. So why did I go? Because I love Uncle Boone's and this place just opened. So my experience. So last night I popped in around 730. Uh, There were a couple tables inside and out that were filled, but it wasn't super busy. Uh, I noticed they changed it up from the decor when it was Mr. Donahue's. They they moved the counter over to the side. Uh, So and they had this digital chalkboard menu where you ordered to see the menu you ordered off of. Um, I asked the woman taking the orders uh, for some advice of what to get. She helped me. And uh, I ordered. My food came out pretty quickly. I sat down, I ate, and I grammed. What did I get? Chicken. F- I had the fried chicken lob with sticky rice and Thai iced tea. My take, call it hot fried chicken. It was delicious, but it had a lot of heat, especially the cucumber salad that the chicken was served on. It was really delicious. I also, my iced tea with the condensed milk was a nice balancing with it, with the heat. You know, don't drink water when you have spicy things, but have something with, with some milk. It will, it will calm down your, your, your spicy tongue. The ambiance. Intimate, casual space with a counter on the side for ordering and a, smooth, a few small low tables inside and some sidewalk alfresco dining. Interesting tidbit. So the space previously was Mr. Donahue's, an old-school American counter from the same owners. It was an industry favorite, but not surprisingly, it was unsustainable with just nine seats and low prices. So this concept should do a little better, especially since they're pushing the, the takeout part. Personal fun fact, I had dined one solo at Mr. Donahue's and at Uncle Boone's, and I still always think about their cow soy. It's one of my favorite dishes. It's a must get. So the cost at Uncle Boone's sister is my cost was seventeen seventy five. That's not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Yes, for more Bangkok inspired eats anytime. Website is UncleBoonesSister.com. There's that. You guys know of? Yeah. I'm sure, you know Uncle Boone's. Yeah, yeah, I've dined alone at Uncle Boone's. I have dined alone at Mr. Donahue's. I did not realize that it's now. It's Mr. open. Boone's sister? sister, yeah, they just converted it. I think like a couple, maybe like two weeks ago. Oh, great! It's such a cute. It's so tiny. It's cute. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I and think I the agree. layout will work a little better. So okay. I agree with um, everything. On Uncle Boone's is spicy, or I, I feel like it is. So like they're not yeah. afraid of heat. Yeah, no, they're not. I like heat, but yeah. I was you know at it one point intense. breaking out the tissue. To, oh, you know, <laughs> cute. <laughs> so, uh, but it was good. Uh, okay, so next week my guest is Anna Horovitz. She is the owner of Good to Go Cafe and Anna in the Raw, which is a hundred percent organic line of pressed juice and raw vegan food based in Cleveland, Ohio. Anna, her clients are the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Cleveland Indians. She she provides juice for these like major athletes. I'm so curious to see like what that's like. So, um, but you yeah. guys, what would you like to ask her? I want to know what it, it's Anna 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 uh, Anna. Yeah. I want to know what Anna's guilty pleasure 
cheat food is? That's a good question. I mean, because it's all, it's well, raw. Her food, yeah, I don't think, I could be wrong, I'll find out, but I don't think she lives off this diet okay. of the food she does at her restaurants. Maybe she does, but anyways, it's a good question. We'll find out. Okay. I'm very curious, her favorite late night Cleveland hotspot. Mm, that's a good one. It's good. I, I don't know, know much about Cleveland, but I, I don't know. either. <laughs> but I'll find out. Two good questions. <laughs> Thanks. So, um, yeah, that's the time. Yeah, two. I needed a four-hour show with you guys. <laughs> so much to cover. I mean, everything you're doing. It, it just you're, the these these. It's, I don't know these experiences. They sound fascinating. I'm so curious to see what you do next, and maybe we talk maybe a bit just real quickly, Patrick, about this your food Instagram account and how you've, I mean, you have what, like 500,000? Yeah, like 450,000 yeah, followers. followers. And it's interesting is I, I started at Bon Appetit and it really was, well, it's always been about like my life and the things that I'm doing. Food tended to be a much stronger part of my Instagram feed, I'd say initially as I was growing. Um, and now it's definitely more uh, broad in terms of the types of things that I document. Um, I love being able to post from a restaurant that I think is just fantastic. Um, and hopefully people will then be excited to go there. Um, I, I feel very thankful to kind of have that, um, uh, that notoriety and also that visibility to really kind of, you know, put my, point my finger in the direction of things that I, I'm really excited about. Um, so whether that's a restaurant yeah. or whether it's, um, you know, a neighborhood, a place that I'm visiting, um, uh, I mean, uh, things that I'm wearing, things that I'm drinking, um, all, all of those things are things I talk about. Did you think your Instagram would turn into such a, <laughs> no. a big following and a, a brand? No, definitely not. I mean, I yeah. joined Instagram like many of us do just to um, connect with our friends and share photos and view other people's intimate moments. Um, and I was thankful that what initially was just a desire to show people my creative viewpoint as a visual designer and kind of a photographer on the iPhone, um, that people were responding well to that. And then eventually that did turn into a, a larger brand and uh, a revenue stream and a business. Can I give past you just... Sorry. Hi, my name is Amy, the dutiful <laughs> wife. Um, I've, I've been here since the beginning, but um, I want to give past you a little more credit than that. Um, because one of the things we talked about when you were first thinking about leaving Bon Appetit to pursue, you know, full-time life as a guy named Patrick, um, you were like, this is one of the reasons I moved to New York because I was sitting in Germany watching my friends like watching like you know like Mark, Mark Weaver was like really active on like Instagram and I think Twitter like at the Flickr, time. And Flickr Twitter, yeah. yeah and you're like I was seeing what my friends were doing and what they were making and I'm sorry I'm forgive me for like speaking for you but you weren't doing it for yourself so I'm here um but like you know you were like I was seeing what they were doing and I wanted to be a part of it I knew that I could like have something to contribute to that and so you know you maybe didn't necessarily move here with the intention to be what you are now to have created this space on Instagram, but you did move here knowing that there is something going on and that you wanted to be a part of it in a larger way than just watching. Well, I appreciate you saying that, and it, it's totally true, but also, oh, like, that's 
so much the heart of what I think both of us do with Spring Street Social Society. Um. We we didn't know that what world we were creating for ourselves, but mm-hmm. New York has for us has always been this this dream, this sort of like ideal version of a place that we saw from afar. And we both moved here and wanted to make that thing for ourselves. And yeah. and we have. You know? Yeah, we have. In, in yeah. its own way yeah. and in a way that we never could that, have predicted. Sharon's like, cut it off. That, it off. No, that, I'm thinking that is a beautiful, perfect way to end the show. No, no, seriously, I, I congratulations on all of your success and everything you've done. And I'm really glad to now know you guys. I yeah. knew a guy named Patrick. I followed you on Instagram, but I didn't know you. And, and to meet you today, Amy, um, it's been wonderful. So awesome. thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, Thank you. Um, my guests today have been Patrick Janelle, Executive Director, and Amy Virginia Buchanan, Artistic Director. And they of, are the co-founders of Spring Street Social Society. This is a membership club that brings together people in unexpected spaces. And you can find out more on their website, sssociety.com. And I wrote down all your Insta and, and Twitter handles here. Correct me if I get anything wrong, but I have Instagram at Spring Street Social Society, a guy named Patrick and Amy Virginia. And then you also have your websites, a guy named Patrick and AmyVirginia.com. And then on Twitter, you're Patrick Janelle and Amy Virginia. Oh, no, don't say it. It's so it's No, so and window, window of my eyes. It's a Simon and, and Garfunkel lyric. Find your spring. <laughs> That's cute. All right. People just Google search. You'll <laughs> yes, find these awesome. people. How about that? Now, you can find me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My websites are BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. All of our shows are archived at heritageradionetwork.org, on iTunes, and on Stitcher. Thanks again to Patrick and Amy, and thanks always to my engineer, Vitor. I'm Sherry Bayer. I'll be back next Wednesday at 4 with another live show. I hope you'll tune in then, and thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.